0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy bosky bada doo, gang doo. The song is Mansard roof. roof. This song makes me want to pop my collar. Put on some wayfares and study Kierkegaard at Cambridge. It's by Vampire Weekend off their 2007 self titled debut. It's also number 430 out of 500 on the Spotify Ridge, the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Hi! Happy Wednesday! What's up, you kadoogly spooglies? You guys having a good week? I am, because we had a fun record. We had a good one. Sometimes you don't think you're gonna connect, and then the next thing you know, you're skit doing all the way down to number one through Rolling Stone Magazine's list. Guys, I got some dates coming up. March 27th through the 29th, I'll be at Skankfest Houston at The Secret Group. It's one of my favorite festivals in New York. I am so excited to party with everybody in Houston. April 9th, Shimmy Shimmy uh, At the Comedy Store That's where all comics that are on the show Give away real things from their life To audience members Then April 22nd through the 25th I'm in Austin at the Moon Tower Comedy Fest And then April 30th Through May 3rd I am headlining six shows At the St. Louis Funny Bone St. Louis Kadoogly Spoogly Fleece Army I need to see you there Please come, it's gonna be fun All right, let's get into this record. This was released in January of 2008 under the British label XL Records and produced by the band's own Rostam Batmangeli. I probably fucked that up. And this is the debut album by the band Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend is comprised of producer and multi-instrumentalist, once again, Rostam (laughs) Batmangeli. Ezra Koenig on lead vocals, guitar, piano, and hand drum, Chris Bale on bass, and Christopher Thompson on drums and guitar. And the band formed while all four members were students at New York's prestigious Ivy League, Columbia University. They don't look it at all. I would have thought they would have gone to community college when he dressed that white. They literally dress like extras from the TV show, Frasier. Although Rossum and Ezra were in a band called the Dirty Projectors, the Vampire Weekend movement grew from Ezra and drummer Christopher Thompson's rap project, La Home Run. Besides being into typical college bands, they each drew inspiration from African and world music. In fact, they described their sound as Upper West Side Soweto after their New York City origins and the South African town they emulated. They embraced being college preppies and wore polo shirts and topsiders almost as a uniform. Their debut was self-financed recorded in dorm rooms, apartments, family barns, campus studios, and in the dingy Treefort Studios in Brooklyn, all while the four student musicians held down full-time jobs. I've been there. I've done that. There's people right now that are trying to follow their dreams that work at Applebee's. When they were done with the record, rather than send the album to record companies, they approached taste making bloggers with bright blue burned CDRs to start an internet buzz. The grassroots scheme worked and landed them a record deal with the exclusive British independent label XL Records but their success was met with backlash by critics who assumed their privileged Ivy League lifestyles coupled with their pilfered elements of worldbeat sounds were disingenuous. Despite the backlash, Vampire Weekend released five singles from the album which went platinum and charted in the top 20 on the pop charts and even higher on the independent and alternative charts. The band has since gone on to put out two more records on XL, and then last year, after a six-year break, they put out their first major label release on Columbia Records. And guess what? All three albums debuted at number one, Tukey. And guess what? I got a tukey key as a guest today. The one and only Rosebud Baker. Rosebud is an interesting character hilarious comedian also dead inside you know her from being on inside jokes on amazon which traced her path as a new face at the just for last festival she was also on my episode on the comedy central series bill burr presents the ringers and she's the host of the new podcast devil's advocate with rosebud baker i love rosebud so much so glad we're becoming close friends this was so much fun to sit down and talk to her about this record. She's a fan, and you guys are going to be a fan of this episode. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on Spotify. Follow me, at Josh Adam Myers, on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the 500 podcastcom Well, y'all, nothing left to say, but... Here we go with number four thirty out of five zero zero with Vampire Weekend's self-titled album, Vampire Weekend. I see a, I a rosebud baker in the train. streets, kink kink kink. I see a, a rosebud baker. She's got some decent feet. <laughs> she is such a treat. You know what? I got another one, too, I want to do. (laughs) Who gives a fuck about a Rosebud Baker? I think she is a mover and a shaker, too. (laughs) do. too. All right, that was... That was beautiful. Thank you.
1: I can't make eye contact when someone's (laughs) singing. I
0: can't. It's too intimate. I have... We talk about this all the time, but this is, I never feel more awkward than when I do that to people that don't know me. Yeah. So like we had Peter Asher from the Beatles, like this big Beatles guy and yeah. I'm like singing him <laughs> in like, and it's just, and people just stare at me and some people join in. You yeah. kind of, you giggled and it was yeah. sweet.
1: Yeah. Well, you said I had good feet and I was like, well, that's a lie.
0: I was just rhyming. I haven't, yeah. I, was, I haven't seen your hams yet. So don't I no check idea. me out
1: on wiki feet. Don't. What do you the, got? What the you- rating is like a three and that's generous. They're being nice.
0: You got hammer time?
1: Oh, yeah. My my feet are... It's, it's not fair what happens to your feet when you get older, you know? Like, they're the first thing to go, and it's fine because no one's ever looking at them, but, like, if you're hooking up with somebody and then... Like, when I was single and a guy would come over and I had to take my socks off, I was just like... It was like we were skydiving like I was like don't look down just <laughs> don't please don't look down
0: you are so adorable I, now I'm I just feel so bad knowing that your shit's <laughs> jacked up all right <laughs> we're off topic Tell yes. me about because I wanted to sit down and talk with you anyway, but uh, and I was like we're looking cool over the list and when you saw Vampire Weekend, you oh I love Vampire yes. Weekend. So all right, so tell me about how you got into Vampire Weekend. So
1: I moved to Brooklyn to Williamsburg, Brooklyn.
0: That, enough said. We don't have to say anything to else. Know. That is,
1: that's really all you need to know. <laughs> um, it is the soundtrack to Williamsburg, <laughs> Brooklyn. In fact, I'm pretty sure that album like built that neighborhood
0: every cupcake shop that's built in Greenpoint like they just put a fuck about a get- cupcakes cupcake blah <laughs> blah cupcake cupcake yes
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's like the album for uh whimsical people in their twenties who are discovering themselves and each other and uh and it you know it's a very new york band um but specifically like. Brooklynites. Like, this is a band that was created at Columbia. Yeah. You know, and they got into world music.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's those, that's everyone in Brooklyn. Yeah. So <laughs> everywhere I went, I would hear Vampire Weekend. And it just, it, it's, it's a, they have a sound that is so distinct. But at the same time, like, you walk into a coffee shop in Brooklyn and you're like, this could be pretty much any band that is in Williamsburg yeah, you know so I got into it that way um, I had a roommate that would play them all the time and uh, it was I, I just got into them like that so
0: then what do you think you, what made you connect was it just being force-fed VW for fucking no you know- I was
1: like very much in that phase of like you know I, I think I had just gotten sober and I was uh, I was like this ex kind of hippie that was trying to be an actress oh,
0: you were a hippie yeah Really?
1: Yeah, in high school. You're from
0: like you're from McLean, Virginia. Yeah, one of the richest cities in the entire world. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I remember
0: one time I DJed a party like at somebody's mansion in McLean, and I went to the bathroom and I got lost. Like I literally got lost in the house, and then they found me three days later. Well,
1: that's what hipsters are. In their Scrooge McDuck
0: money pit. That's what that's what
1: hipsters are now. It's just like people that have their parents' money and they're living in Brooklyn and they fucking. You know, they're, like, discovering themselves because they have the money to do that.
0: So were you you were at a point of discovery when Vampire Weekend with V-Dub got popular in your life? Yeah,
1: you know, I was like, let's (laughs) rent a car and go on a road trip. You you know what? I'm throwing out my hacky
0: sack, I'm putting on a polo sweatshirt, (laughs) and I am going out to attack the world. I'm studying (laughs) economics at Vassar.
1: <laughs> it was one of those it was one of those times in my life where everyone in everyone that I knew had more money than they were willing to say. Yeah. And uh, and we were all just dressing like we were poor.
0: You know? Yeah, I get it. I I mean, I I make pretty good amount of money now, and I look like shit. Yeah, all the t- I'm wearing. Not them. much <laughs> has changed. I'm dressed like like Father John Misty, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> all the time.
1: Yes, we all had the money. It's like nobody could pay their rent, but somehow they could drop two thousand on a new tattoo. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, well, let's do this. Our album is number four thirty out of five hundred. It's uh, the self titled debut. I said it right, right? Studio album by Vampire Weekend, released January 29th, two thousand eight. Produced by Rostam, fuck, Batmanjli. <laughs> Where were you? So fuck. W- were you in? <laughs> were you in Brooklyn in, in two thousand eight at that point, yeah. or you were already there? Yeah, I was so living in the height of it. Yeah. So so for for me, I. And I've... I've I people- lived on
1: North First and Barrie. Where is so that? Like, is that like... That's right off the Bedford stop on the L. So I was right in... Bedford is the the stop on the L train. And uh, and the L train in New York City is the... It's the best looking train in New York. Really? It's the only train that you get on and you're like, there's going to be hot people on this train. Uh, you know, you, you go... It's right... It's one stop away from Manhattan. So it was the first place to start gentrifying in Brooklyn. You know? Uh... And it is now it looks like the Lower East Side. I mean, it's just like it's totally uh, commercialized. It's it's well, totally gentrified. I,
0: you know, what's funny because that you're saying that because in my opinion, me and Angelo, we used to make fun of Vampire Weekend. We used to say that, that like Vampire Weekend is the soundtrack of gentrification. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just has that vibe. I yeah. pushed this band. So far away, and I was like, I will never listen to them. I don't. Yeah. They're ripping off Paul Simon. Yeah. they're doing music that they these white rich kids like doing like African music. Right. I'll never listen to them. Which
1: it's funny because they're not that white. They're like they're white, but they're not like you know. One of them is like uh, I think has Iranian parents. One of them is a, is like Italian. One of there's none of them are like wasps. You know. I well, don't think there's like, one of them.
0: One of the lead singer's name is Ezra. Yeah, that is the whitest name. That's like that's like, like real money, fucking like billions. No, Trust I don't think fund. so.
1: I think if you're thinking white, you're you're thinking of a uh, of like Connor. Like when I think white, I think Austin.
0: Let me pull you know. Up, let me pull up their names Connor, real
1: quick. Austin,
0: Ezra, Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris, Brian, and Greta. You added some Chris's I added three Chris's. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I never, here's the deal, is that I never looked at, like, this is a band that I was going to enjoy. And right. so this was my first real foray and experience like I knew there's a song uh by Vampire Weekend called uh Obvious or Oblivious Bicycle I think it's off of their second or third record and I heard that and I loved it mm-hmm. and then when I saw this was on the list I put it on sh- I put the whole there's like a, a playlist on Spotify where you can put it's all 500 records yeah just broken down into tracks and you can put it on shuffle and it was kind of like to prep me and uh not Oxford Comba but Mansford Roof or Mansard Roof Uh, popped up, and I was like, God, this song is good. And I started listening to it a few months ago to prep for this, and I was like, okay, it's a good record. Here are my thoughts on it now. This is a fantastic record. This is Perfectly produced. Yeah, this album is, in my opinion, probably some of the best production we've had so far yeah. on this, and I mean that. Not saying in like Brian Eno esque or in in some of the other producers, it just sounds very clean. Yeah, you hear the strings perfectly, you hear the guitars perfectly, you hear these African drums perfectly. I, I was asking uh, Jeremiah, the producer, I was like, God, I really want to see how this band sounds live because right. I don't know if it'll transfer from the album to a live setting. Yeah. And he said it was one of the best shows he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I used to make fun of them, but now I see why people love them. You see the light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a white light. It's a very, very <laughs> white light. It's a very light. white light. But I, I'm really sad to move on from this record. Yeah. I I really love it. And with each listen, and this is where I'm getting it now, because I think I'm on my like 15th listen in yeah. the last two weeks to prep for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, each time I listen to the record, another song gets into my kachunka, and I just start in like- yeah, In Yeah, my, and my squigglies, you yeah. know what I mean? And I just start feeling it, and I'm now I'm obsessed with this song. Yeah. So it's just, it's constantly just, it's like a what layer was cake. The fir- so
1: the first song that you uh, fell for was- Was a song
0: off a different record called, I think it's called Oblivious Bicycle. Dude, it's so good. Yeah. But it's also not Afrikaan. And I think there's <laughs> the same thing, Rosebud, with me, where I- Look at this style of music. Like, even though Paul Simon won best album for, and you know, and not best album, he won yeah, best album Grammy. He won like twenty Grammys for yeah. Graceland. Yeah, I don't think white people should do like really black-oriented music. Like, I do not think white people should do reggae. We should not have dreadlocks. We should we can hacky sack, mm-hmm. but that's it. We can hacky sack, but and maybe like dirty hair, but not fucking dreadlocks. And I don't think we can do Afrikan. Let's dive into the album, okay? Yeah. So as we spoke of earlier, we uh, the first song is Mansard Roof. Uh, the only way to describe this, this is Baroque pop. And I don't even know if that's a real term, but it's pop infused with classical elements and Afropop. Uh, it's the first single from the record. And uh, here's the story behind it. So, Ezra Koning is a history buff, and this song is about 1982's two and a half month war between Argentina and England over who controlled the Falkland Islands and the South. Is this real, Morty? South mm-hmm. Sandwich Islands? South mm-hmm. Sandwich? <laughs> In the South Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Peter. Don't take
1: our sandwich. Don't
0: take our sandwich. Uh, it's a tuna. Uh Peter play <laughs> minute sixteen. The
1: Argentines collapse in defeat
0: Literally laying it out if you didn't hear it in that the Argentines collapse and defeat, the Admiralty surveys the Rivers. I don't understand how fleet. a guy
1: would be like, would listen to that and or just like hear that story and be like, I gotta write a song about this. Like, you're 18, you know what I mean? <laughs> what
0: What do you give a fuck? Because it's the war <laughs> of 1812, it's I the be- war <laughs> caca, I feel of like 1812.
1: It's almost like he's trying to be like, you know how college students are constantly trying to prove how much they know. Yeah, this album does have a little bit of that yeah. in it. It's he's, just like these fucking Ivy Leaguers being like, yeah, I actually wrote a song about uh the Argentines collapsing in defeat. Uh y- you know what I mean? Like he's trying to get pussy. Yeah, dude. Just it's, by writing the song. It's like
0: me on stage and doing like Kierkegaard references. Right. I want people to know that I studied philosophy. Yeah. You know, there's no reason to ever say Kierkegaard in a stand up set.
1: Nobody gives a shit. But right. yeah. S-
0: So let's let's talk about this so so this is about a war you've had a lot of personal wars in your life and you talk about it on stage nice segue. um you're very candid and open about being a drunky drunk addict addict yeah um if you don't mind me asking because i remember you mentioned it but when did you hit your rock bottom and change
1: uh i probably hit my rock bottom in 2000 i guess i got sober in 2007 so one year before this album came out and uh i I just was like I don't even know how I fucking I, I, It's hard to like recount the stories Because I don't remember a lot of them But to be honest I moved to New York Because I was supposed to go to uh, rehab And I was in Europe For like a while and my sister left me in Europe. She didn't leave me. She was like, "Is a- this
0: hippie rosebud
1: in Europe?" This was. I was cutting my hair with knives at the time. I was. All right,
0: Conan the Barbarian. It was Jesus truly
1: Christ. like, if you saw me, you'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> she is. She eats people." Is that the
0: fifth element? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is why is her hair orange?
1: Yeah, I looked like Charlize Theron <laughs> in Monster, and. Um, I was, I was a real mess, and my sister was like, you're a fucking disaster. This was supposed to be a trip. I planned the whole thing. My sister planned it, and she was like, I planned this whole thing. You're a disaster. You're ruining it. I'm going home, and yeah. I was like, well, I'm staying, and I stayed, uh, and my sister, I spent most of my time in Europe in a Western Union waiting for her to wire me money, and then when she stopped doing that, my family was like, you have to come home, and I was like, okay, I'll book my ticket. You just have to wire me enough to get a ticket. So I booked a ticket. I was like, I'll go to rehab. Um, but I booked the ticket so that it stopped in New York because there was a guy that I was, like, dating in New York. And uh, I I left my shit in Europe. And I just, uh, like, I brought as much as I could on the plane with me. And then got off at JFK and just took a cab to his house and was like, I'm moving in. And... um <laughs> And I moved Show in. me that smile again. again. Don't, Don't waste another, another minute. you guys, like, sitting on a-, on a
0: mattress. Like, <laughs> just, you want to hit this mad dog? And yeah. you're like, fuck yeah, glib, glib, glib.
1: It was like that. It really was. Like, we we were in a bed that he built. He built this bed. <laughs> It was fucking, it was like, for some reason, it was eight feet off the ground. I was
0: high on meth, and I built bunk beds, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Which it one was, do you want, up bunk or low bunk? It was fucking
1: nuts. And I lived with him and his and his metal band. One of his, and his drummer, Chad, whose name was Cassidy, because he was going through his transition. She was going through, she was like three weeks into transitioning into womanhood. and uh, And his band was called Osiris. And they would play... Like in the Lower East Side and they would play at like the Creek in the Cave. And I used nice. to, I used to buy weed from Rebecca Trent when she owned the Creek in the Cave. Like it was just and and it was just bands that played there. No comics were ever there. Now it's like a huge comedy spot in New York. Um and uh and I would just like I would I remember I would roller skate everywhere. I was roller skating all over New York. I was getting ticketed for like roller skating on the subway and and just getting hammered roller skating down the Times Square fucking bar, just bar hopping mm-hmm. on roller skates. Uh, and it was just an insane time in my life. So then when we broke up, I was sober for, I, I drank by myself for a while until I realized like, oh, all the problems in my life are me. Because yeah. uh, I don't have any, anybody in my life to blame anymore. So I, I was drunk one night. I ran into this girl. She gave me her number. The next morning I woke up. And I called this girl because I remember her mentioning something about going to a meeting and and then I went to a meeting with her the next day and I waited on these church steps from like 10 a.m. till like 6 p.m. and I went to this meeting with her and I haven't had a drink since. But and I haven't done anything since I'm like completely. But sober. but
0: you also and this is I'm going to spin it back to to Vampire Weekend like, like yeah, Ezra talking of, no 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 it's great but 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 the way that Ezra is like well I have all this information from him studying all like these wars and going to college and blah 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 and he uses that in his music you talk about it on stage right so why is it important to talk about it in your comedy?
1: Uh, I think because a lot of my. A lot of my perspective was shaped by that time, and a lot. I think, uh, in general, I think people people become who they are based off of like the challenges that they go through. You know, I think more so than anything, tragedy, trauma, all that shit, it changes who we are on a cellular level more so than like a fun trip to Disney World. Yeah, you know what I mean, or like a fu- you know. Yeah, we can be shaped by our good experiences, but I think the the bad ones transform us more so than uh than the good ones. Completely. And I think so yeah, I think it has to you have it's to-
0: cathartic. It's just even. It's like taking these negative things and then and then making them a positive by making people laugh. Yeah. And then we don't hang on. to it I always it's say not- it's like
1: saying a f- like every time I write a joke about something horrible that happened to me. It's like a fuck you to God in a way. It's yeah. like a look what look I fucking I made it. I I turned it into this. Uh, and and I don't. I'm not doing it really. From a place of anger. I mean, I think I'm funnier when I'm angry. You but, just
0: told God to fuck off. Yeah. So I don't but, know what you're like. But I'm not angry at all. Fuck you, Moses. I, I know. I, I, you piece of shit.
1: But I'm, I'm amending, amending what I said. <laughs> don't
0: get me started on Muhammad.
1: I'm amending <laughs> what I said about fuck you to God. Because I don't really mean it that way. I, I just understand. mean it like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's more to the universe. It's I more get to it.
1: the universe. Like, hey, I whatever happens to me, it's I'm going to be fine. Because I have comedy, I can turn it into something that makes people laugh, that makes me laugh. And it's not that serious.
0: It isn't that serious. All right, so the next song on the record is Oxford Comma. Peter, play 57 seconds in, bro.
1: I fucking love that song so much. It's, that song is, um, it reminds me of like, if you fall in love with someone to that song, like, you can never listen to that song again. Yeah. That's that's what a mood it is.
0: Yeah, I got a couple songs like that. You know that, what I there, mean? There's, a, like, there's this guy, I can't even say his name right, Michael Kiliquana or whatever his name mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And I, I it's just like, the this girl I used to date, there's a song called Bones. Yeah. And that's like our song. And so it's like, I had to remove it from the playlist, it's gone. It's
1: gone. The song is dead to me. But
0: this song, I didn't like the first time I heard it. This was this is like one of this, the popular songs. Mm-hmm. This and the next song are the two popular songs that I had heard way, let's go back and 2008 and I just I was like man fuck this band but after like like really digging in I'm like oh this is one of the best songs on the album it's so catchy and the story behind it is incredible so After college, Ezra became an English teacher and he wrote this third single when he saw a Facebook group dedicated to the often disputed placement of that punctuation mark. And he used it as an example along with some other seemingly petty and frivolous bullshit of the high society he saw around him at Columbia University, which is the band's Ivy League college. Yeah. Uh, So you're a very real person. Mm. What part of you is the most (laughs) spoogle? The most what? Spoogle. But in this case, spoogle means petty.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I
0: speak in a, sp- a gibberish language. Speaking
1: from a spoogly place, uh, <laughs> no, I would say that um, I, I can be vengeful. Really? Yeah, I can be a little vengeful. What's the
0: most vengeful thing you When you've I ever feel
1: done? that someone, actually, when someone is inauthentic, I get real, real pissed. I can get petty about that, yeah. you know? Like, I, uh, I had an ex that, that started sleeping with someone right after we broke up, and, uh, and I was like, well, that's rude, because he didn't check with me. Um, you know, we'd broken up, but you should probably ask. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how breakups work. I'm just like a person that has no idea. Um, so you
0: knew the person he started sleeping with? Uh, or I, he just he just started sleeping with this person he, and you didn't know it. I
1: knew that something had happened between my ex and someone I knew. And, uh, and I called and I was like, hey, I don't want to hear about this from somebody else. So if you could just do me the respect of like being honest with me and telling me what the fuck is up, I would feel better. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he would not give me... But not an inch, okay? Would not tell me, wouldn't, freaked out that I even asked, which means, like, I was right. Um, But I, I can't stand when someone keeps something from me that I, that could inform the way that I fucking conduct myself as an adult, you know? I'm like, if people can't be straight up and can't be honest, I get I lose it. Yeah. I lose it.
0: All right, so here's some funny things about this song, okay? The song name checks rapper Lil John, who was so honored that he sent over a case of Hennessy Energy Drink Crunk Juice mm-hmm. and appeared in the music video. So Lil John had a had a celebrity boner for Ezra and the band. That's who beautiful. do you have a celebrity boner for?
1: I think you know the answer to that.
0: I don't. You don't? No.
1: Uh Justin Bieber. Oh yeah. I do. All right, here you go. I have a real celebrity boner for Justin Bieber.
0: Fuck, marry, kill. Mm Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber. Yeah. Andy. Uh Uh-huh. Or... Newt Gingrich.
1: I mean, this is pretty easy. Okay. I'd kill Newt. I'd... um, I'd marry Andy... And I'd fuck Justin Really? Yeah I was thinking about switch- Switching those Cause I'm like Justin's got so much money But then I was like Thinking about who he is And I gotta live with that
0: Yeah <laughs> And I was like Ugh. Mine is Mary Newt Fuck Newt
1: And kill yeah. myself <laughs> And
0: kill myself <laughs> Alright Moving on I hated this next song At first It's called A Punk Peter play a little Taste of that stuff
1: How could you hate that song? So,
0: Here's here's why I, It here- sounds
1: like a canoe race to me
0: <laughs> It is very like it Sounds meatballs. like a fun canoe yeah, race it's, it's definitely like Adventures of Pete and Pete <laughs> Yeah um, The reason because MTV would play Like their ads This this came out at the time Where I was still watching A lot of MTV mm-hmm. And it was like at Vampire Week It was so popular And so respected They were like, all on the albums Of the year list And I hadn't dug into it But that song Was just played All over Like That part we just played Yeah Is in my opinion What I think makes the song so special. Yeah. Like the the other part, like the verse. Peter, do you have a little bit of the verse we could play? I can just see the ad very like, you yeah. know, Jersey Shore, 10 o'clock on MTV. <laughs> Alright, turn it off. Yeah. So so this is a sec- yes. this is the second single from the record and it was also made famous by the movie Step Brothers. Uh I read that the title was more of a reference to the fact that the band thought it sounded like a punk song when they were putting it together. Uh, and that does make sense because this probably is the most punk rock tempoed song yeah. on the record. Uh, So there is no real explanation of the lyrics uh, that are in this song, but after listening and reading many interpretations online, the only thing I know for sure is that this is the story of a woman named Joanna who comes to New York in the wintertime and gets a fairly heirloom of a ring from an old man who's died of cancer. And then I think there's a flashback to the guy in Mexico. And then she moves to Washington Heights. Maybe the guy was her dad. Um, either way, the choruses uh, about the people in the raincoats walking down the street definitely betray the happy sound of the song. And there's some dark symbolism in it, uh, which I think is just this weird contrast between music and lyrics.
1: I think uh, it's interesting. Like, I, it definitely has the feeling of moving to New York. It, like, that song is what it feels like to move to New York City. When you move there, you're, like, excited. You're filled with kind of hope, but also, like, anxiety. There's, like, a, a a crazy anxiety to that city that keeps you kind of going. Well, that's
0: why I don't move there. I yeah. love New York so much, but it's like I love my quality of life here in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. But, yeah, I can see that. It's like you're packing up the car, you're getting in it, and it's yeah. like you're, you're getting to the toll roads, you're going right. through the tunnel. and that's, Everybody's dan- honking ban- at you. <laughs>
1: You fucking hey, hey, hey. Hey. yeah, exactly. You
0: have an anxiety attacks. Yeah. Um, all right. So
1: it's you know what it feels like. It feels like being on the subway during rush hour and then being so late that you have to literally get off the subway and run up the city yeah. to get to where you need to go.
0: Oh, completely. Um, all right. So the band made their network television debut when they played this on the Late Show with David Letterman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, let's move on to the next one. Okay. Cape Cod Kwasa, Kwasa. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate that that's the title because it is uncomfortable to say.
0: <laughs> it's, it's,
1: <laughs> Their entire white audience Ka- doesn't feel right saying com- that song.
0: Combining Cape Cod, the whitest place in the world, with probably the blackest, most African. Yeah. There's, like, there's, like, there's like nine S's in Kwasa. Mm-hmm. So the Kwasa Kwasa is a dance rhythm from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. This was the fourth single, and it sounds like something off of Graceland by Paul Simon. That's all I got, Peter play my favorite part of 2.15. So, natural, too. This so, natural, so after Ezra traveled through London on the way to India in 2005, he was inspired to write a short story about the effects and connections between preppy culture and the native cultures of the colonized areas. That sounds to me like the whitest term paper in the history of mankind. Yeah. It's like, why don't you write about like, this is about the conga and how the TV show Frasier affected it. Right, it's just yeah too white. Uh, the band also name checks Peter Gabriel, and he was so honored that he covered the song backed by British synth pop group Hot Chip. I love Hot Chip. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know that? Do you know Hot Chip? No, they did this song over and over and over. I, I don't know how to sing it, but it's a great song, and it <laughs> reminds me of two thousand and eight. <laughs> um, next song is my favorite song on the album, or me one too. of them. Really? Oh wait. Yes, it's M79, M seventy nine. Yes,
1: M seventy nine. And
0: it's somebody that it is <laughs> my so favorite cute. one. All right, so this is about the New York City bus that connects the Upper East and West Sides that Ezra would ride around on while absorbing the melting pot of cultures he saw. And on you can the,
1: on the Upper Upper East and West Side.
0: That's what he says. Yeah, that's what this is. What this is what it's Morty wrote. So funny
1: because those are it's. I mean, it's literally the whitest part of New York. Uh, maybe just it's... the well, Upper does, East Side and the West Side. But
0: is it... But it says it's connect... Oh, it connects them. Yeah, dude, that's driving from Jewish to... To just, like... Rich white people? It's just, like, artistic
1: white people. You know? Like, the, the Upper East Side is, like, you married well, and then the Upper West Side is, like, you followed your dreams. Is, yeah. Is... Those are the two things, you know? All
0: right. Well, you can hear all that in the opening line. Uh, it goes... It's going to take a little time while you're waiting like a factory line. I'll ride across the park, backseat on the 79. Uh, I, 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 honest to God, love this part we're about to play. Uh, Peter, play my favorite part of the entire album at 229. Singing phrase of Jackson Crowder. Watch your step along. There are certain parts of albums that yeah. I hear that I'm like, that's the reason this album is on the list. Right. That section we just played, that little change. Because the album, not the album, the song starts off very, like, Mozart-infused. Yeah. You know, it's got this, it's like I said, it's the, some of that Baroque pop. And <laughs> and it's like, this. that part is such a change, and it's so perfect to me. The second I heard it, I go... Oh, this is why this is the song. Yeah, this is this is the song. This is why this album is on this list.
1: It's so good, and it's uh, and it's so like I, I don't know what it is about the song. It, it's just perfect. It's uh, concise and it's clear and it's it feel it has such a feeling to it. You know, there's yeah. like it's one of those songs where it's like you you hear it and your entire world changes. Like if you're driving in the car and you and this song comes on. All of a sudden, you're in an indie movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I, dude, I was. You're in the car with your friends. You're going upstate. You're going to stay in a cabin that you're fucking Airbnb ing or like an Airstream or something. Yeah.
0: Dude, I was. Cle- Remember, it's I. Had, such
1: a hipster dream. Lecca had all
0: those like poop mistakes. And mm-hmm. I was listening to this while I was cleaning up like her like diarrhea splat. And like, I literally stopped and like leaned up and was like, holy shit. This is incredible. All of a sudden, cleaning shit becomes a whimsical <laughs> it was, experience. It's so whimsical. Yeah. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020 Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020 where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Paisen and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020 And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.
1: Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what
0: is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson,
1: where NSFW meets LMAO.
0: All right, so c- being that he talked about uh, an area of New York that is is I would would you say is kind of conservative? Probably you got these people with money. Yeah. So so I mean, you as conservative
1: as, as New Yorkers get. But. Okay,
0: so you came from a very conservative family. Mm-hmm. Explain just for the audience, for all the Cadougals out there, who your family is.
1: So, my grandfather was Secretary of State under George Bush Sr. Boom! So- Boom! Sorry, he (laughs) did run the recount, and um, he is the reason George Bush, uh, George W. became president.
0: Fuck yeah. If you have anybody to blame, it's Rose Bud Baker. Yeah, it's my fault. she'll be at the Sycamore Tavern Tuesday (laughs) night doing the Dojo Show Show. Do you share do you share beliefs with your family?
1: No, I don't. Um it's funny because uh I am just like my dad, but my dad and my you dad both hate is,
0: black people. <laughs> you want to you hate the Jews and you I, love rolling around in We money. basically
1: are the same person in terms of like how cranky we are and the way that we judge the world, but we judge it in completely different ways. So like even though I'm like his opposite, He's the reason why I'm funny, you yeah. know? And we don't, we don't talk. We're, we like, don't have a
0: relationship. Well, well what made you change from their beliefs if you're brought up one way your whole life and it's just you're immersed in Republican yeah and not just Republican I'm talking you're the highest echelon of Republicans. the mm-hmm. Secretary of State I mean yeah. that's as Republican as you get
1: well it's like my dad says like I went to college in Boston uh, I went to liberal arts school
0: racist town which
1: my dad paid for
0: <laughs> not really if we got fans if we got any Cadugles out there in Boston I fucking love
1: you it is a fucking white <laughs> town though white um, and uh And pretty racist city, if we're being honest. all right, you said (laughs) it. let's just be fucking honest. Um, But I I went to liberal arts school, and I was there. I was in that world. And it's like my dad always said, he's like, you know, it's easy to be a Democrat when you're not paying your own fucking bills. And um, he was right. You know, it is easy to be a Democrat when you're not paying your bills. And I wasn't paying my bills at the time. So everything, you know, my whole... Worldview was shaped during this time when I wasn't really paying for anything and I was thinking more on in like liberal arts college terms, you know, And yeah. that was the world I was in. So I think that's that's really where it where it separated. And then I became an artist and I was like, I. I need these fucking
0: programs. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you judge your family based on their beliefs?
1: No. I, know, I sort of stayed, I stay away from that. I think, I think as far as uh, politicians go, I think my granddad's really smart. I think he's more of a statesman than... And I look at the time that he was involved in the White House, and I, I'm like, that... As far as Democrat, Republican go like i I long for that time, yeah, based off of what we're what's Dealing happening with now, now, yeah, um, but you know it doesn't mean that the shit that they were doing wasn't it's not like they don't have blood on their
0: hands, yeah, um.
1: But I, I don't I try not to judge them. I try to just be like, you know, it is what it is and uh, hundreds
0: of thousands of people probably died at your grandfather's hands.
1: Yeah, and uh, and his money put me through college. So I can't like <laughs> right. what That's, am I gonna do? You
0: know what's great that you just ended that? That's a perfect segue into our next song. It's called <laughs> Campus. See what I did there? This is about, and I love this, this is about that awkward moment when you see somebody you previously had a one-night stand with. I also think this is probably the best storytelling on the record. Uh, Peter, play a little Spadeggy. I see you, you're walking across the campus Co-professor studying romances am I supposed to pretend. I never was- that little section right there, that ba ba ski ba dee ba de ba do ba flee ba, it just makes me like, like I'm in my car. I was driving, I was leaving the haha uh, last night, and I was just fucking like eating my McDonald's ice cream cone, just fucking like in yeah. it, man. And it just felt so good. And then I read the lyrics to it, and I was saying, like, this is how 2008 this song is. It says, uh, Walk to class in front of you, spilled kefir on mm-hmm. your kefaya. That's what see, I don't know if I said that right, but the kefia kefia or kefia is that Arabic scarf. Do you remember yeah. when white people in 2008 were rocking like a Middle East staple yeah, yeah, yeah. and rocked it at, at Cha Cha Lounge in Silver Lake, right? And it's just that. And so, when I heard that, looked at when the album came out, and I was like, fuck Yeah, dude, this is that's like when it was at the height, yeah, that's how how like engraved in what was going on in the world in the hipster world this band was and, yeah. that's, and it just made me appreciate it yeah. a little bit more
1: yeah it's so much a, a product of its world it's not my favorite song on the album I'm kind of like meh it's a little too cutesy for me really? yeah
0: okay well let's see how the next one is because I think it's even cuter <laughs> Bryn Peter play the chorus oh Bryn you see through the dark right past the fireflies that sleep my heart. You know it's easy to see. So this one is one of the band's earliest songs. It's about Bryn Lander, a friend of Ezra and Rostam. They went to Columbia University, and now she's a fashion designer. And uh, maybe you should reach out to her. And of get course, some style she's tips. a fucking
1: fashion designer. <laughs> of course, there's someone named Bryn that went to FIT. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: She went to fit 'em.
1: Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to track eight. It's called One, Blake's Got a New Face. Mm-hmm. Peter, play the chorus. Blake's got a new face. Blake's got a new face. So I was hoping this one was about a person waking up from com- cosmetic surgery. Because uh, that would that'd would be so great. That would be so great if that's what they played yeah. like, for you. And so it would be like, Tina's <laughs> you hold- got some new boots. They hold up Tina's the mirror. Tina's got some new boots. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's got a new Kirk Douglas dimple <laughs> chin. <laughs>
1: Yes, this is the song that you listen to when you are trying out a new look and then you show up to the place that you're going (laughs) and your friends are like, you fucking loser. And you just, (laughs) you take off your glasses. That's not who I am.
0: I'll be blind the rest of the night. (laughs) So this is about Ezra meeting a friend of his girlfriend and judging him by his face. Um, Yeah, Oh, like
1: judging... Wait, judging the so, girlfriend? Yeah, or no. So, the-
0: so Ezra's meeting a friend of his girlfriend, mm-hmm. like a guy friend. Yeah, and, and 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 just looking at him and like, because you've done that, right? When just I see drive so down much.
1: Melrose, it's a fucking judge fest. You, I could literally burn a thousand calories a, a minute.
0: I'm the most judgmental at my gym because oh really? that's where I just I go. That guy's probably a dick, and fuck that girl. Yeah, I'm just like I just get really judgy and i'm trying not to yeah so so i finding out what this song's about i was like okay and i think it adds a little bit more depth to it Mm -hmm. uh but still great song uh quick question because you've joked about getting botox right
1: yeah
0: uh if you could get any kind of cosmetic surgery what would you get
1: i wouldn't get surgery what would you do uh i'd get filler really yeah I'd get a little filler. Where, where at? My cheeks. In your cheek?
0: You don't need, you got good cheeks. I know,
1: that's what people say. But you got
0: rosy cheeks. Yeah, but I want,
1: <laughs> I just want the like, I just want a little bit of lift in my cheek. I do that sometimes.
0: I look in the mirror and I just pull back my, my wrinkle lines. Yeah, and you like, know. I look these eight little, minutes younger. Because <laughs> I
1: feel like when I look in the mirror, sometimes I look like a marionette. I'm just like, what the fuck are these lines? The ones, like, from your nose down to the corners of your mouth? The laugh lines. The la- I the sl- hate the laugh yeah, lines. Yeah, so do
0: I. I I just don't want these, the eye stuff. Um, I want to keep these, I want to keep this as like, as like not as wrinkly as possible. Yeah. Because that's how you could tell somebody's old, eyes. I think if I could get any kind of surgery, fuck, man. I don't know. I don't think I I, I wouldn't. wouldn't What if I just
1: suggested ones right now? If I just threw ones out there? Don't please don't do that. (laughs) I'm just like guessing and you're like, what? Why?
0: Because I just got a new haircut and and nobody said anything about it. And so I'm already self-conscious, even though I cut. It doesn't look any different.
1: It doesn't look different. It
0: does a little bit. It's cleaner. And I slick it back now and I don't look like I like the slick back. I don't look like Arthur Fleck from Joker. Right. That's all I care about. That's good. All right. Moving on. You didn't uh,
1: steal your hair.
0: We just, I just have like, I thought long hair looked good. I thought I was like, I I was literally at this juice bar and this dude walked in, this really sexy guy with long hair. And I go, and and the girl that was juice bar, I go, yeah, I look like that guy. And she goes, oh no, (laughs) no, you don't. And I was like, really? All right. that was when I was like, all right, I got to cut it. Yeah. All right. So fucking, bam, it's like another brilliant segue. The juice bar girl made me think to myself I stand corrected, which is the next song. <laughs> See how I did that? This one is one of the only songs on here that doesn't have an Afrobeat rhythm. And it's definitely about admitting when you're wrong. But about li- Afrobeats. About Afrobeats. But the lyrics are vague enough to either be about a lover or a lab partner. Uh, Peter, play the first verse. You've been checking on my facts, and I. Lab partner or relationships? What do you think? Um,
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he tried, he went to an open mic and he bombed and somebody got upset and offended and now he's, that's what this is about. If you ask me, when yeah. I hear it, that's what I think of. I think of when somebody hates a joke that you told and then you start to wonder if you're a bad person for telling it. Yeah, and- there's something that they say that kind of gets in there, and you go, "Did I? Am I not a human? Like, what's wrong with me?"
0: But it's a joke, and that's the thing. It's like there's you also have a character of being this like, because you're the sweetest girl that I've ever met. No, you're so I'm great. not. Well, I'm you're a bad very person. sweet. You're very. Well, do Blair, Blair's this. very sweet. Blair Saki is <laughs> my best friend. Hang sweet. out with her. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, <laughs> it, it rubs off on you. But but I what I like the most about this song is just I like the idea of promptly admitting when we're wrong. Yeah. It's like you know there's not a lot of songs that I mean you know on this record it's it's you're, you're getting fucking historical facts you're getting philosophy you're getting you know the comparison between the rich and the poor and the upper and the west side and all this bullshit and this is just this cute little song that just is near the ending that just yeah it just kind of like warmed my heart wait whereas you said some other ones were whimsical this one has a little bit more depth and 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 it's it's a humanist yeah it's very humanistic is that a word
1: yeah that's a word
0: all right la- next saw oh, we got two more songs left uh, next song is, this is, I don't know, I, I wrote this next one is my favorite song. Uh, I do love it so much. More it's, than M79? I love that part of M79. I love this, the, entire, song. I love this entire song so much. It's called Walcott. Uh, I love everything about this musically, and I love how it builds and builds and builds until the ending, and then it explodes. Peter, play it at full kachunk. chunk I just love any song that just, it's the same thing from top to bottom. It's just, it just keeps getting faster. It keeps getting heavier and and more passionate. And I just, I I immediately, whereas some of the other songs, I took a few listens to connect with. Yeah, This one, like right from the beginning, I was like, fuck yeah. So the band got their name from a planned home movie horror spoof inspired by 1987's The Lost Boys that Ezra gave up on finishing after shooting for a couple days while home on vacation in Cape Cod. The lyrics to this contain much of the plot of the intended film about a guy named Walcott whose dad was killed by vampires who went to Cape Cod to warn the mayor of the attacks. Yeah. I fucking love that so much. Dude, Lost Boys yeah. is like one of the most, that was why I was growing my hair long. Yeah. Because I wanted to have Lost Boy <laughs> hair. I wanted to do like a like a flip, like right. fucking like the blonde Lost Boy. Oh yeah. my God. I love, like if it was up to me, dude, I'd sleep in a fucking, you know, in a cave.
1: Wasn't it, it for Sutherland that was uh, in the Lost Boys, the blonde Lost Boy?
0: Duh. Yeah. But not no, no, but he didn't have the long hair. He had like, he had like kind of like the same hair as the uh, mother from Webster. Right. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. She had like, you know, like science teacher hair is the best way to describe it. I don't remember Webster. It's kind of like a mullet. Kiefer had a mullet. Yeah. Kind of. The other guy. And then the other dude, Alex Winter... Uh, who was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? He had like curly cues, but with like braids in the back. Yeah, and then the dark-haired dude <laughs> and the blonde guy were sexy as. It's a
1: real hair-based
0: movie fun. for Josh. Dude, it's it's you probably sleep like a lost boy. I can imagine upside <laughs> down with your <laughs> hanging by your feet with your arms. I try crossed. to. It's
1: why I look so young.
0: You have such a vampire <laughs> persona. <laughs> what is your what is your personal nightmare, Toogle?
1: My personal nightmare. Tugel. Um, I'm gonna ignore the last part because I don't
0: know what it means. But it's just, it's just, just it's, a toogle. Just what is your? Per- a what does your personal nightmare? What is um, your personal nightmare? I don't know. I tugle. feel like
1: I've lived through enough. I, do, I just, I'm sort of in a place right now where if if something bad happened, like if I got coronavirus, I'd be like, uh, I get le- at least I get to quarantine myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's sort of where I'm at. I I want to get pregnant just to lie down for 9 months. That I'm I'm in that place in my life. All right. I don't want the right, kid, Allie
0: Wong. but I
1: want to lie down for 9 <laughs> months straight. Really? Yeah, I just want a, I just want to rest.
0: All right. Uh the kids don't stand a chance. This is the fifth single great way to close out the record. Uh, yeah. I was going to play uh, the cello solo mm-hmm. But I love this verse so much I think it sums up the song And the album perfectly Peter, uh, play 150 I love his when he sings in a falsetto Yeah, I just love falsetto on a man um, which Love is a the, falsetto. Which is on the a man. gayest thing I've ever said in my life. I mean,
1: truly. Ooh, right. All right, so this is. And a- that's after saying that you wanted the hair from the Lost Boys. And I
0: called both those guys sexy. Yeah. I am secure enough with my sexuality yeah. to look at another man and say he's attractive.
1: It's called evolved masculinity, you guys. Look it up.
0: Yeah. I had friends in high school. Like, actually, Jeremiah, my producer, knows all of them. And I remember, I always say it, I remember when my dad died and we all went out drinking and at the end of the night like I was saying goodbye to them and it was like the hugs were so like mm-hmm. you know, like don't get too close or we're gay like yeah, it was yeah, yeah. too like I mean Jason Moyer just like he was like dude I'm so he started patting my back so sorry about your dad and I'm like hug me
1: you're like please <laughs> somebody fucking please, hold me please god I'm, I'm falling apart
0: hey what's up my name's Lurk and I'm the host of Lamb Van Flip Podcast every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene big and small we also like to keep our fingers on The Pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lambgoat's Van Flip podcast. All right, so this song, and this is why I pulled out that clip. So this song is about Ezra Koenig trying to figure out what he was going to do after college. And while he saw many of his Columbia University schoolmates going into finance after having all the trappings of wealth dangled in front of them by recruiters. So the clip I played is, it's just, it's so perfect. I didn't like the business, but that was at first glance. Your pillow feels so soft now, but still you must advance. The pinstripe men of of mourning, the partners in the dance, the paper shot to pieces. The kids don't stand a chance. I mean, God, it's 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 really it's just it's 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 it explains everything after finding out why he wrote it, what he was dealing with, how he wants to go into music, he wants to travel And also, like, if
1: you graduated from college around that time, uh, which I did, it was right after, it was during the recession, nobody could fucking get a job, and it was the idea of being an artist back then was, uh, like, it was insane, because there was, but at the same time, there were no jobs anywhere. So people who were... Really well qualified to get a job, they still couldn't get one after going to college. So it was there was a sad kind of panic that came over all of us. But
0: not if you you're working in finance, that was still something. There's it's like I you know Fahim Anwar just posted this because he was a. uh God, not a he worked for Boeing as an engineer. Yeah. And he goes, They will always hire engineers. He can go anywhere in the world and he'll get hired. And I think it's the same thing as finance, especially somebody that's leaving Columbia University yeah. with a finance degree. Right. So you're you're an established comic. You're you're doing great. I always still say this, you are a rocket ship. I just see all the cool shit you're doing. But what was your plan, Boogle?
1: My plan was to be an actor. I wanted to which is just a But It's also a terrible plan But um, I wanted to be an actor I moved to New York To be an actor I did Off-Broadway shows I did Independent films And I did uh, Like You know Shit for like Investigation Discovery Um, Where like Please
0: tell me You were on Fear Thy Neighbor
1: No Fuck Fuck I wish I
0: was I wish you were
1: (sighs) Anyways, that's why I quit because I couldn't get a part on Fear Thy Neighbor. um...
0: (laughs) But what was your what was so if you're not an actor if you're not a comic what are you doing?
1: Um, God, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think I'm so deep in it now that I can't really imagine like what I would do. Would you study in college? Acting.
0: Okay, never mind. Yeah, when you had so much money, you had you can do whatever. You have no plan. You don't need a plan.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Well, I wanted to like do, I wanted to be a dog trainer at one point, And then I wanted to be a social worker at, when I quit. I was like, I'm going to quit acting and be a social worker or like a dog trainer. Yeah. And then uh, my friend was like, you would be terrible at both of those things. <laughs> you are not warm. And uh, you just like to yell at people when they're going through problems, which is not what people want from a social worker. Although that is what social workers fucking do most of the time. If we're being honest, they're really overworked. So I think I have the perfect personality
0: for Why it. are you yelling at my audience right now? I'm just making a point.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm getting passionate. I'm not yelling, I'm passionate. Uh, so then I just tried to do an open mic and I'm an addict and I couldn't stop and now I'm here.
0: Good, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're an addict. All right, you wanna do, some, <laughs> do you want to do, do some facts and get out of here? Yeah. Facts and facts, facts and facts <laughs> and some facts, facts, facts and facts <laughs> and we're doing some facts, facts and them facts tonight. All right, first fact. The cover of the album is a Polaroid photo of a chandelier and the top of some heads from an early Vampire Weekend gig at Columbia University's St. Anthony Hall, a fraternity and a semi-secret society. Um, If you could start a cult, uh, what would you do?
1: I would... um, Oh, man. I'd probably... I think I'd probably start uh, one of those, like... Sex cults, you know, where people are allowed to like do whatever with with whatever whoever they want, you know, and I'd get I'd get them in by with that, you know, and then I would turn it around by just allowing I want there to be a screaming room. I think it'd be important. To, I think a lot of people have a lot of anger that they don't get out. Yeah. And if you scream it out, then eventually you'll get to cry. Because that's if I could join a cult, that's what I would want to do. I just want a room to scream in until I feel safe enough to cry. Are you
0: about to cry right now? No. <laughs> like is your eyes are getting.
1: I would not. <laughs> I would never. In public? Are you kidding me? Uh, um no, that's what I would do. I'd start I'd start a screaming cult. But I'd I'd drag drag people in with like sexual shit. Yeah. Because you, you know that's, that's what people fall uh, for yeah, the easiest. It's,
0: it's sex is is the Sex sells. Sex sells I'll give up all my worldly possessions if it's just fucking all the time and it's just like group sex. Yeah. So you're just diving into a pile of, of you're like basically limbs? at,
1: you're in liberal arts school, you know? Oh, God. Every party at liberal arts school was just like unnecessary genitalia.
0: Really? Yeah. Uh, Explain, what do you mean? Just, just,
1: people would just get naked and like fuck each other. It was weird. It was really a weird time at Emerson.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. Big ups. What, what is your mascot?
1: We don't have a fucking mascot. Okay,
0: I was going to say go. Nobody plays
1: <laughs> sports there.
0: All right, so in March of 2008, the band were named Artists of the Week by MTV, and one of the honors was making a safe-sex PSA of them coming up with ridiculous names for condoms on a New York City bus that ran between videos. What is, and this is cause only because you said it in the last thing, what is the most ridiculous sexual encounter you've had?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> Um this is embarrassing. I don't even want this on a podcast, but I'm going to tell it. Uh so I had a I had an ex that uh, the one that I moved in with with his band. He really wanted to do anal and I was like, I'm not fucking doing that shit. I was like, if you I was like, if you you can fuck me in the ass if I can fuck you in the ass. Thinking he would be like, "What are you crazy? No way." He was like, "Okay." And I was like, "All right." Fine, you order a strap-on and I'll do it. Which I was like, there's no... He was on... He literally went home and ordered it. And, like, we were hammered.
0: And he had an Amazon Prime, so it came the next day.
1: I mean, you better <laughs> believe it did. In an unmarked box. Um, So I'm hammered one night. This is so embarrassing. And I... I We were watching Deer Hunter, which is probably the, the most
0: erotic <laughs> Vietnam movie of them all. If I'm gonna fuck, I, it's the Deer Hunter.
1: I fucked my ex in the ass while Deer Hunter was playing. <laughs> Diddy Mao!
0: Diddy drunk, Mao! And you're drunk just you start, on
1: PBR.
0: You're like, you damn right, Diddy. And Mal. I think that was my
1: bottom. I think because there was a moment no, during was, that where I was, was like. It was his bottom. It was really his bottom. <laughs> but there was a moment where. No, the, his bottom came when he was like, okay, it's my turn. And I was like, no, I changed my
0: mind. Oh, you dirty motherfucker.
1: I really did him dirty. Um, in more ways than one. And I, uh, yeah, that was, I, no wonder we haven't spoken. I mean, I hope, I hope he's forgotten my name. But <laughs> I, it was, I was in the middle of that and I was like, this situation does not align with my childhood. <laughs> like I, I've gone the wrong direction.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Oh, I like this one. Okay. Rather than court record companies after making this debut album, the band sent burned CDs directly to tastemakers like bloggers to build their word of mouth. Hmm. Uh, When did you first find your audience?
1: When did I first find my audience? Yeah, I think I'm still in the midst of finding my audience. I think I. But you
0: have a following, like I see it. I see it in the Ask Me Anythings, like people ask you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it it came over the last like two years. I've started to build more of an audience. Um, it's still relatively small. I think I once my podcast drops, it'll be better. But I think like probably
0: the last two years. But what about less lonely girls?
1: Yeah, but that was more of an audience that came from Corinne, you know, because Corinne was the host of Guys We Fucked, and that started to, like, build a little momentum for me, but then Inside Jokes came out, and I started to get more of a following from that, and then... Uh, the you Comedy opened, Central,
0: yeah. But you also you open for Schumer. You've opened for Che. Yeah. Do you find that like affecting your your audience, or even even not just as an audience, finding an audience? But, yeah. But working with people like like them uh, has how has that affected you as an artist in 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 your career?
1: I think it's great because working with them has given me a little bit of a of legitimacy as a comic, which is really all I gave a shit about when yeah. I started. This was all I care about is getting. Better at this and getting good enough at it that the people who do it and the people that pay attention to it uh, think of me as as someone that's that deserves to be here. Yeah, that's all I ever fucking wanted. Um, and now it's kind of like all I want is to just get better at it. Like I I just want to keep getting better at it, and that's all I give a shit about now. Yeah. I just keep I keep studying mm. it like the way that I studied it in the beginning. And Because um, I'm relatively new in comedy I mean I'm six years in
0: So still, yeah it's still baby That's So still I just like want to Yeah
1: I mean I came into it a little later But I feel like uh, You've got to get good at saying What it is that you want to say And something that only you can say You know yeah. Like what's the story that you can tell That is unique to you um, And how do you make that funny
0: Yeah you know. All right, last fact, uh almost as fast as their meteoric rise to fame mm-hmm. was a backlash from haters who thought of them as privileged college boys. Uh last question, what was your worst set?
1: My worst set? Yeah. I thought this was for sure going to be a question about being privileged.
0: <laughs> well, we, it we probably should have been. Um
1: I am um, I'd say my worst set Oh god Last night was not good Um, But my worst set Was At LOL Comedy Club In 2015 Must have been 2015 So you're
0: what like A year Year and a half in
1: Yeah Uh, I I Went up for 75 people On a Saturday night And I I just I got like bomb brain You know what I mean? Where you start bombing and then all of a sudden you're panicking and then you leave your body. Oh, yeah. And you're watching yourself eat shit on stage.
0: How much time did you have to do?
1: I think I was, they left me up there for like 20 minutes. And I had like five minutes of material (laughs) at the time. And I was just, and I couldn't even, I had such bad uh, anxiety up there that I, I forgot how to ask like, where are you from? Anybody celebrating anything. Yeah. I'm talking basic shit that I just get, went out of my brain to the point where I got off stage and I just walked off the stage into the bathroom stall and waited to stop sweating because I was like, I can't even go in the green room with the amount of like, I, I'm fucking shaking. Who were you opening for? No one. It was a fucking showcase show and it was like, but it was in front of like 75 people, which I... As I walked into the room, I was like, oh, this is the most I've ever... I've never performed in front of this many people, and they're all paying to be here. And I just felt this immense pressure all of a sudden. Yeah. And I just was like, I can't bomb. I can't. It, this is a this is a club. And it's not. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a... Everyone that was there was scammed into being there. I literally had to go home and read the Yelp reviews on the place to make myself feel better. Because... I was like, at least these people are criminals and they don't give a shit yeah. about the comics because they're lying. <laughs> yeah, they got, they people. got
0: they got barked in. Yeah, they in got Times barked Square. in.
1: They were told that, like, Tina Fey was going to be on stage. Yeah, they the, didn't even the know barkers, that she's not a stand up. They
0: are just the most fucking and then they're getting charged. Yeah.
1: They're getting charged eight bucks to to drink tap water like I'm talking in a solo cup. So the, these audiences were pissed already. And then I'm going up, and I'm like, okay, you got to make it good for these people because, well, they otherwise they're going to complain to the management, and they don't want bad comics. They didn't give a fuck what comics were on their stage, but I, I thought they did. Yeah. And it was, it was a nightmare. Like I went, I was, I went home. I was like, where are the knives? <laughs> like, where are the fucking knives? You know, it was bad.
0: All right, all right. This was fantastic. Yeah. Thanks Thank for having mind. me. The one, the only, Rosebud Baker. Check her out on The Ringers on Comedy Central. Listen to her new podcast, Devil's Advocate, with Rosebud Baker. Anywhere you get your pods, listen to it on Spotify. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter, at Rosebud Baker. And for all things Rosebud, go to her website, rosebudbaker.com. Don't forget to subscribe to The 500 on Spotify, everybody. Now, we just listened to Vampire Weekend from 2007. This week, music director Little Matty Pinfield selected Kenny Hoopla, who much like Vampire Weekend, combines his love for their strumming sensibility With New Order's shiny chords, as well as a twisted emo inspired mix that creates a unique sound. LA bass Kenny Hoopla released one of the most exciting alt rock songs to come about in a long time. Here, How Can I Rest in Peace If I'm Buried by the Highway on Spotify now? Check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured, on the 500 website, send us your song, 500 podcast at gmail.com. Put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Brian Eno week with his 1975 album, Another Green World. Y'all got some homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify. Stay fleecy. Dougal, Dougal. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of that one time on tour. Part of the sound talent media podcast network.